Okay, can I confess something? What's up? Okay, so it was, we're like prepping for this. Listen to that interview. I was, and then even as I was having the conversation with Sherry, I was like, ah, it sounds kind of good to just go back to the, what we were doing before. <laughs> Tempting, huh? It sounds real good right now. <laughs> it's like, yo, actually, we did this and this. Ah, Things are going easy. well. It's that way would be easier. easier. <laughs> wow. Hi, I'm Bert. What's up? I'm Steve. Welcome to How to Kill a Church. A podcast of indefinite length following two church planters' journey through discovery, heartbreak, and innovation for the future of the church. We're doing this podcast not because we have all the answers. In fact, as you'll hear, we have very few of them, but because we are compelled by the potential for this moment and what it could mean for those following the way of Jesus. We actually think that COVID may be one of the best disruptions for the American church in decades. Through this global pandemic we're all living through, and on the shoulders of the last 20 years of information, internet, change, upheaval, we believe there is a unique opportunity to reimagine the church to meet this cultural moment with the gospel. So follow us on this journey of discovery, lessons learned, mistakes made, and maybe, just maybe, an ancient and innovative way forward for the church of the future. All right. Well, today's all about Bert and Sherry and uh, and, and Anthem. Ooh, excited about that. In the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, you, you you sat down with Sherry, right? Yeah, I did. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're in the hot seat. All right, made it happen. You guys talked through your early story. Yes. Right? You guys got through some of the early stuff and how you got here. Awesome. I'm I'm excited about jumping into it. Well, for those of you who are listening today, we want to give you a glimpse of some of the conversation uh, that we're having with our wives. I think you already. Uh, listen to Jamie and I. You got at least Ooh, a piece so of that. So good. You know what's funny Fire. is like, hey, you know what? I love the 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 fact that you have the sovereign hand over the mute button <laughs> because we talked for like an hour and a half, <laughs> and somehow you brought that down to this nice, pretty package. That was you know? a long file. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> well, the thing about it is, is like bringing our wives in is important because this affects them. This isn't just our job. This isn't just something that we're doing in a studio or even uh, on a stage, the way people perceive us as pastors. And so we, we believe it's a family calling. We believe that our wives are very instrumental in, in even mothering, right. Um, And, and leading uh, the church with us. So we're grateful for that. And in not doing it on our own, it's good to be able to bring them along for the ride. So Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Excited to I jump. I don't into know about this. you, but I find myself getting into trouble when I try to do it on my own. That part. <laughs> I, I told, I confessed it already, man. I keep telling everybody. And, and if, I might've told this story differently if it were just me, not that I'm like lying or whatever, yes, but like, you know, yes. I have my, mm-hmm. I don't know, pastor yep. spin lens on it yep. and trying to you're silver lining everything. Hey, you're a church planner. <laughs> everything is about, you know, opportunity around, potential. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So crazy. That's so crazy. Well, let's get into the interview. Talk about the early days.
Anthem's been part of our story since day one, which is pretty cool. We both lived with roommates at the time who are Josh and Courtney Lewis, who planted Anthem Denver. I lived with Courtney, Bert lived with Josh. And um, Josh and Courtney met and started dating while we lived together because of one of my other roommates. And so, you know, eventually Bert and I met. And um, we didn't say it at the time, but, you know, Bert fell in love with me right away. It's true. <laughs> and uh, I think we both just kind of knew, like, this This is this is it. Uh, so we dated for about seven or eight months. We got engaged and then married five months after that. Um, were you thinking we would plant a church when we got engaged? No. I was trying to think at what point that actually came into the equation. Like, were we even still dating? I think when Matt Larson first brought it to you, I think we may have still been dating which, because it, it felt like, oh, wow, you know, early on, because I knew Matt and Kristen for more than half my life, and for them to just, like, immediately like who you were, I felt, I mean, I felt pretty stoked about that. Like, if it seemed like, okay, maybe this is a winner. But also, like, oh, shoot, what are we doing? I didn't anticipate that. I think we both, when we were dating, we both liked the idea of being um, some someone else who is paid in ministry or the ministry leader, we liked the idea of being their like awesome volunteer. And I think that is something that I, um, I liked about Bert because I felt the same way. I grew up going to church and not, not just attending church, but I always was, even like in elementary school, I would go to Sunday school one service. And then as soon as I was old enough, so maybe like close to 10 years old or something, the other, the second service, I would be volunteering in the nursery or with the toddlers. And so it's just like ingrained in me to always be, um, like be a consistent volunteer, um, you know, someone that is reliable and trustworthy and all of that. And so I liked that Bert had the same views and he had actually, after his stint in paid ministry, he felt like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, perfect. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I just want to be someone's, uh, you know. I was know. finishing Bible college, and but also working at like a design agency in Apple and was like, oh, I'm stoked about this. This is great. Yeah. And we were like, oh, this is great. We can just volunteer at church and uh, do our own life. Yeah. <laughs> and then... I'm pretty sure it was this summer, like we were still dating. I think Matt Larson, you guys finally met. Yeah. <laughs> for reals. But Matt pitched it to you and he just went for it, which is, you know, true to Matt fashion. He just didn't sugarcoat it. Coat it. I think he said, I want you to plant. At the time, it was like an Anthem campus, right? Yeah. At the time, I didn't really realize that he does that with everybody. And I'm the only person who took him seriously. It's not true. <laughs> he does. I think he sits down <laughs> at every lunch and coffee and just says, I think you should plant a church. And I was like, oh, OK, sure. I guess I should consider this. Right. He and he pitched it to you first. And I think he pitched it with like, you know, start a student ministry first and plant an Anthem campus. Like, let's roll you on. Yeah. Um, and at the time we had been going to Anthem, I had been back at Anthem for about six months. And I think you'd been there for a few months. Mm -hmm. But we both had immediately jumped into um, you were playing drums on Sundays and I was volunteering in other ways. So we were getting to know Anthem and its leadership really quickly and mm -hmm. and we loved anthem and everything anthem's been about um so we took it and we said okay matt we'll 
we'll think about it, we'll pray about it. And I think deep down, I really didn't want to do it. But I also had the tension of, well, the person that I think I want to marry is like wants to do this. And so as we just considered, what does this look like? And also, I love Thousand Oaks. Which, which is where we were like living and serving. And <laughs> which is where Anthem, Anthem, was, yeah. Anthem was at the time, our home church. And I'm like, well, can we plant another Anthem in Thousand Oaks? Which, and you know, Bert, pretty quickly he started um, uh, bringing up Ventura. And it was kind of a coincidence because we had spent quite a few of our dates out in Ventura. Totally not related at all. It's just a coincidence. We'd been spending time in Ventura. And so Bert starts praying and thinking about uh, Ventura being a place to plant a church. And one of the things that it just felt like God was um, maybe paving a way here. It was really cool. Some of our um, other like friends or other people at church who are also in our same stage of life, like young married or getting married and we couldn't afford Thousand Oaks. And so people were starting to move out. At the time, Ventura was actually the cheaper option. (laughs) Much cheaper. And so it was pretty cool. There's even people from Anthem who were starting to move to Ventura, but still commuting to Camarillo or Thousand Oaks. And so we were even, and, but they loved what Anthem was about. And so it's like, how, what do we do with that? And so we thought like, this is a great opportunity. Unfortunately, Ventura is not that cheap anymore. So, um, But yeah, it was cool. Just we started slow. And I think that was what was helpful for me was to start slow and see that God was starting to do something out here. It wasn't the overnight of like, okay, tomorrow we're popping up a church. It was the starting to spend time out here, um, starting a midweek, like a community group for especially for some of the people who are driving out for like a midweek community group and a Sunday, they're driving out to a a different anthem in Thousand Oaks or Camarillo, just starting at least something midweek. And we had other friends out here who weren't a part of anthem, but we were getting just reconnected with. And so we just thought like, let's just see what happens. Let's start on Wednesday night in a apartment in Midtown and see what happens. And uh, the community that grew out of that was really beautiful. I remember when I first met you, you were riding around town on your scooter. I still have that scooter. I know, but you don't ride it from the East End no more. (laughs) Hey, technically, according to a city map I found, uh, I am on the edge of Midtown. Stop it. The edge, edge. That's so funny. You're on the outer (laughs) rim, right? Yeah, I love it. You know what's beautiful about Mm -hmm. that? To to be honest, I've always known you guys to just really be dialed in to the geography. Yeah. Like, we want to be a church that is reaching Midtown and downtown. We want to be about, I mean, we're about Ventura all together, but this is where God has called us. I think that is, um, it's beautiful. 
right? And it doesn't matter if the methods have changed. It sure. doesn't matter if, uh, you know, you've you kind of hopped around spots and all, but it's been in that kind of location. I think that's beautiful. Even as we think about how to get our church to really sink our teeth uh, deep into uh, to Ventura in the same way. So that's pretty, um, that's dope, man. So there were, for us, as I'm thinking about that season in the life of our church, there were actually like two big things that like really marked us in some, in some ways. The first was that when we had, I can't remember if like how much we got into this. I don't think we got into it too much, but when we were actually gearing up to plant, we were actually gearing up to plant a campus. I don't know if that language yeah. is familiar to people yeah. listening, but we Anthem at the time uh, was in Thousand Oaks and Camarillo. And it was this version of a church called a multi-site church, mm-hmm. which meant there was it's one church, but then shared everything. So shared money, shared teaching series. You know, we, we didn't do video teaching. It was live teachers, but, it was, you know, the campus pastors would teach. But it was like we'd work together um, kind of same vision. We do a lot of events. together, And the only thing that was really different was like two Sunday morning locations. So, you know, we'd have a Sunday morning location in Thousand Oaks, a Sunday morning location in Camarillo. And, uh, and, and one of the things we also shared was one elder team that oversaw everything, which kind of worked for a little while. It was really advantageous, help us to get our first church plan off the ground very quickly. In Camarillo. In Camarillo. Yeah. Super quick. But when we started coming to Ventura, we started understanding and realizing it's like, oh, wait a second. Like, I don't know if this multi-site thing is going to work. That was appealing to us early on because it Mm. would have enabled us to go faster and need less resources and Mm. more accountability and honestly, really good things. And uh, we didn't feel like we were out on our own, but really it was our conviction around eldership that broke our model. And so we had to choose between model and theology. Mm. And to the elder team's credit at the time, I was just apprenticing in. I wasn't even fully a part of the team. They chose theology over model. They said, Okay. okay, like what we are biblically convicted around elders um, means that we have to change the model of church we have because an elder at Anthem Thousand Oaks who lives in Thousand Oaks cannot possibly shepherd someone in Ventura, let alone even know someone who's attending that location in Ventura. And so we said, what what does that mean? It's like, okay, well, instead of a multi-site, like what if we walked in this family of church model where we have these autonomous churches with their own elder teams, but we still work together in ways that are advantageous to work together. So that was probably the big shift is we went mid journey. We had a base, the effectively a core team already here. And instead of planting a campus, we're planting a church. Got it. Which, you know, I think there are some things that didn't change, but I think the weight of what we were doing suddenly shifted. Oh, absolutely. And so that was that was a fairly large change mid-process. The second large change is that we quickly grew out of that apartment. Hmm. And so at that point we had sort of a decision. It's like, okay, well, do we do the Sunday thing and like start attracting people there? Or do we start a second little like small house church kind of gathering? And once again, to our team's credit at that point, it was Sundays will come eventually, but let's like focus on the small and let's reproduce what we have. Word. Um, and let's continue developing these like doing life together rhythms. Word. And so that was probably the second big shift is we outgrew that apartment and actually started another house church before we ever started a Sunday service, a okay. gathering, an event, or whatever. And so those are two things that really marked us early on that drilled in like a uh like a heartbeat for the contextualized Ventura and a heartbeat for there's something beautiful and different that happens in the smaller gathering that we want to cultivate before we start doing the bigger thing. Word. I love it. That's, that's um interesting. I don't think uh, you guys share that a lot. 
Like how many people know that that was a, that those shifts came about as early on as they did? I or like the first one, first taking the family I don't, churches. I don't think many people know that. Yeah, see, that's huge. Maybe people who are part of that original core team mm. know. But by the time we were started, we were our own autonomous church Got at that it. point. So that's what people were getting connected Got to. It. So I don't know. If, and they know we have deep ties to our, our mm. sending churches, mm-hmm. but they don't know that this is originally going to be a campus. Yeah. See, okay, so part of this whole process, even as we think about this podcast, is like helping to open up our hearts yeah. and just you know, remove any of the layers that might be there. And I think it's important to remember what uh, my buddy Barry Bmore is always telling me like, Hey, remember that it's about your sanctification in Mm. front of the people, (laughs) right? Like God is, God is doing what's happening with a rise is what God is doing with you. And he's doing that publicly and before the people. Hey, I don't like that. Tell him, tell him to quit it with that. I mean, yo, I I think the first time he said it, I was like, man, you leave, get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but here's the thing. So, so as I hear that, and I hear you say the biggest shift in it all wasn't even that we were doing much different. That core team of people still stuck with us and still mm-hmm. everything went, yeah. but it was the weight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You began to feel the weight. You felt the shepherding weight. You felt the responsibility. You felt the biblical call as mm-hmm. opposed to just the, uh, the thing that you could do kind of almost like you unbox something, take sure. it off the shelf. And it's like, yeah, we're just going to do that over here. Yeah. Um, that's huge. That's huge. And to be a family of churches changes, changes a lot. We can get into more of that, you know, later. Yeah. Thinking about Camarillo and, and T.O. and those guys. But yeah, thanks for thanks for even just clarifying that, because I think Sher- the way Sherry talked about it, just being beautiful in those days, all I saw was that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then to go back and say, this is how it actually trick, you know, how, <laughs> how it got to that spot yeah. um, is super, super, super helpful. Um, and then the other thing about like, just, you know, the reproduction, that's what we want to do. That's what we want to be about. Did you guys feel like when you were outgrowing that first apartment that you should be thinking about a, a big public kind of space to keep everybody together? Were you thinking about oh, sure. how to scatter? Where were you? Yeah. I mean, initially the, you know, it's like, okay, do we, who's got a bigger house and that midtown apartment, you know, we're all a bunch of like. 20 year olds yeah. with no kids and they have the biggest apartment. So that's why, they that's why we're, it, you know? that's why we're in there. And, uh, so it was like, okay, do we find a bigger location? Do we do the public kind of gathering? Do we do some events or whatever? And yeah, we ended up deciding like, yeah, those things will come, but not yet. We need to, we need to do this well before we start going wider. Got it. Wow. So that's when we went to a second apartment. How many of the people who started with you at that time, are still with you today? Ooh. <laughs> you wouldn't have asked that question if you knew the answer to that. <laughs> Not many. Not many. Um, you know what? We started the original, you know what? A lot of that bigger crew, but the original, I think there were four couples mm-hmm. that were in at the very beginning. Um, and then uh, two of the four, so myself and Sherry, and sure. then another couple are still like, committed we're in wow to have moved on to different stories got it yeah wow wow yes interesting just thinking about like how you start with a foundation Uh pouring some concrete and all that but then as you're building on it's a little different in terms of even the people yeah whatnot so i don't want to sound disparaging by any stretch and even one of the um 
you know, pieces of advice or wisdom or whatever you want to call it that we've gotten from people that went ahead is they, they say, you know, the people you start with are not always the people you build with and are the people that are with you in the long haul. And it's not a, it's not a negative disparaging. It's some people are really wired mm-hmm. to help birth and catalyze something, but they're not necessarily wired to be there for the long haul. Sure. They move on and go catalyze something else. Sure. And so I think like in a, not in a disparaging way at all, I think we had a few people who were amazing catalyst. They were electric gatherers. They were people of peace in the city. Mm. And I think once we settled into some more like structured rhythms, I think they were, their catalyst itch was growing again. And so, um, I think once we think of that expanded group, I think there's like quite a few people who are like still with us and journeying along, which is rare for Ventura. It's an expensive city now and it's a fairly transient city. And so like the people who have not left the state are are largely mm. still with us, which is really fun. And yeah. over five years, we've got to send some people really well and we've had to see some people go <laughs> less well, yeah, you know, but well. we get to do both. And <laughs> our, our favorite is being able to send them, whether it's to another community in town or out of, spa- out of state. Um, and we do grief the people who, who don't leave well. And yeah. those are, those are hard things for Word. sure. Well, I think what's dope is that when you think about catalyzers, uh, people who can help you get started, you know, that's talking momentum. Yeah. They get momentum. When something picks up speed, then it's rolling. Yeah. And, and once the ball's rolling, it picks up more and it continues to go. And it's actually harder to stop that thing. Yes. It's harder to start it, yes. but it's harder to stop that yes. thing. So you and Sherry kept talking, right? You guys talked about some, some, uh, some of that. So let's jump back into the interview. One of the reasons we started that second house community is because the first one was getting too big and you can't know each other when it's well, it was a midtown apartment. So we didn't fit, but right. I mean, but also it's a pretty big living room, um, but it was just like the idea of, of being able to do a group better in a smaller setting. Um, and so that's one of the reasons we wanted to reproduce. And that's been one of our values is being able to reproduce. And um, the first couple years, well, it's like the first year we we're meeting downtown, we had this like, funky little space, like, you know, we'd show up on Sundays, and it would like reek like cigarettes sometimes. And just sometimes we never knew what we were walking into. And wait, and like eight months in, we discovered someone was living in the building. Oh yeah, under so, the stage. someone was living under the stage. It was so weird, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I think one of the things I loved is that we chose this space that was by no means perfect for a church. We had to do the jankiest setup for kids. It's in a hallway. Like in a ha- two different hallways. So bless you parents who had <laughs> checked your kids into our weird childcare um, Sunday school stuff. It was, but I love that we were following what we felt like in this. So it wasn't just Bert and I, it was um, our church at the time. We were like the whole crew of us. We felt like there's an empty void of um, of Jesus in in downtown Ventura, and so we know that's going to mean the sacrifice because other we talk to other churches and it's just hard. You can get bigger, um, less expensive space in other parts of Ventura, and so we felt like we want to fight to be here. and And I love that people were willing to 
make sacrifices like, you know, have weird, maybe a weird like nursery room in this back hallway and stuff and, you know, hearing babies cry throughout the the sermon and stuff. So that was awesome. Um, And I liked that it how it started off our church. We don't need everything to be perfect and polished and exactly the right vibe, if you will, like because that's not what church is about. Um, It's about and we got to I feel like serve a bunch of and love on a bunch of homeless people. We were right across from a park that has a lot of homeless people. And and I love that we just got to bring them in, give them coffee, help them maybe with some things that they needed. And then 11 months in, one Sunday morning, we got a phone call that our trailer that had all of our stuff. Except my laptop. Except Bert's laptop. <laughs> Everything else. <laughs> Everything else. All of our like first impressions all of our kids stuff, all of our sound gear, just everything was in this trailer and our trailer had gotten stolen and we still um, did church that morning. We just made do and we had church and it was immediately like, okay, what do we do? And so some of the ways we were feeling tension at that space And then plus our stuff getting stolen, it felt like, okay, is this the moment to rethink what do we do next? Where where are we going from here? And um, the River Church graciously offered to let us use their building on like Sunday afternoon evenings for free and use all their stuff which was incredible, like a huge blessing at the time because we're a little church and, you know, we don't have the money to just like, okay, rebuy everything. And so just a huge blessing to like, they took us in, in a way. And, um, and I think one of the things that we'd been toying around was trying like an evening service. I think since the beginning, there were people in our church who, um, you know, lobbied, like maybe an evening service could be like a really cool idea. And so it gave us a chance to try that out. We did like four and 5 PM, you know, at different times we did those, Two things and just one of our like, I think when I think about our church at that time, I just think about like how amazing our people were at loving each other and loving new people so well. And like I remember within our first year, one of the things as someone new came in and one of the things they told us is that they never felt so loved and welcomed at a church before and and she was a little bit older and she said she'd been to you know many churches in her lifetime and it felt like that was the one of the hugest compliments that she came in and felt just like genuinely cared for and loved and that's something that stuck with me over the last five years and i've always just loved that our people bring in people so well um so that was like the first and then we ended up staying at the river for, sorry, I got a little off. Yeah, like a year and a half track. or something. So restarted at the river, which so we, was the only other church in downtown, to our knowledge, that had any sort of presence. Yes. So it was a fun partnership for a while. Um, year and a half. And then the evening service was really tough, and we were praying about where to go next. Yeah, the evening service ended up being really hard. Our church shrunk. It almost died. Yeah, it almost died. Like... We will shut the doors on it. Yeah, I think if it weren't for our like family of church support with the other Anthem churches, I don't know how we could have survived. Like, yeah. it just felt so bleak at certain points. And um, so we did that for about a year and a half, and it felt like this is not 
Like it was really hard on our family and it was just, it turned out to be not what people wanted. <laughs> the, the Sunday evenings ended up not being people's, I don't know, people didn't want it. Yeah, that was hard. And then even like what were robust community things happening during the week that first year or so started to trickle down a little bit as people just become less attached or mm -hmm. moved out of the city or left our church because the evening service was hard. So our communities during the week were deeply affected too. But like that was for a season. And then we came across a third space, effectively the third time we planted. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the things was we were so grateful to be at the river and then we wanted a place that felt like a little bit more like ours, like just something that could be like, it just felt like we were meeting in a different church's building and we just wanted to feel like we're just, this is our church. And yeah. not that we needed our own building for that, but we almost wanted the like blank canvas again, like our first building was. And so we found in downtown, like praise the Lord, like on the corner of California Street, a space on the second floor, Right um, the visitor center, central yeah. downtown. Yeah, like overlooks downtown and on the other side, the ocean. Like, does it get any better so than that? Cool. And once again, we had to be really creative with our kids' classrooms. We had to be creative with how we did some things because, like we said before, it's not like the perfect um, church space. Like, it's not built for a church, but we were willing to make it work. Like, that's kind of been... Um, something I think we've been able to do since day one is be creative and not, and like think outside the box. So, so we moved there and we were there and then pretty quickly had some sense of momentum. Like, and there, like, it's not just about Sunday space. There were other things happening in the life of our church. I think we were developing our first team of elders. I think you and I were entering like a healthier season of leadership. Like there's just there's several things that just felt like we're clicking for our uh -huh. church, finally. Like three or four years in, we're like, okay, this is finally um, easier. Yeah, if, <laughs> it's, and it felt- It's so hard for so long. Right, like the, you know, the first year of our church, it's just the first year of planting a church is hard, I think can be hard no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how easy the circumstances, it's all new and you're figuring things out. So that's hard for its own reasons. And then going on to meeting um, in the evening times just had its own set of troubles. I think Bert and I were growing a lot. We were growing our family um, and just had like, it was just, Hard for us, hard for our church, a lot of people leaving. And um, so moving um, to this other space and right in the heart of downtown and then like being back in the mornings, like with this like fresh sunlight, these huge windows in this, in this room. I remember it felt like fresh wind in our sails. Okay, this isn't gonna surprise you. We got. I know why you got why you attempted to want to go back. <laughs> bring, bring it. All right. Counsel me. I was going through my Instagram <laughs> Therapist archives. Me right I was going now, through yeah. my Instagram archives from the day I came and preached for uh, Anthem. Ooh. And I was in that space upstairs, second floor, overlooking downtown, looking you, out you, the other you know way. What I, remember I saw about the ocean. That day? I'm like, yo, I, I would do this. Can we trade spaces all the time? You know what I remember about that day? <laughs> Is you made a black joke, and our little white church had no idea what to do with that black joke. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know what's crazy is uh I'll be I just say this our people some of our people really pick up on the fact that you just be on it, on it, on it. Like, man, Burt's gets them. All the black jokes, this and that. He's like, Burt's on it. You know, so anyway, um, those are inside jokes for the time being, right? But, yeah, I mean, she talked about it. Um, or Sherry. Sherry talked about the, the, the space you guys were coming out of, being back in the morning. And, I mean, yeah, you opened those windows. I stepped out on that balcony, and I was just like, wow, this is, this is amazing up here, right? And so the momentum you had and the time that you uh, got to spend there, it, it meant a lot to you. But what did it mean to you uh, from the from the place of like, we finally got ourselves on rails? Yeah. You know, like, did w- what was that like? Yeah. I mean, the, su- the Sunday locations and all that have been fun and adventurous and exciting. But for us, it's it is not about the Sundays. And I know we've, we've spent, both of us have spent a lot of time leading a church that had a lot of energy and resources going to what we're doing on Sundays. But I think we could authentically say from day one, it wasn't about buildings, events. Um, but for us, where we've met as a church has marked seasons as a church for us. Okay. So, um, you know, we kind of had this, this first location that was downtown right across the street from the mission and mission park. And, and even those early days, you know, some of it's the building shortcomings, like we're young and dumb, you know, and it just sort of like that first season was just, it, it was freedom. It was experimentation. It was coming off a, Hey, we were planting a campus. Now we're planting a church. We can do anything we want, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah, let's yeah. go for it. Let's try this. Let's try that. Um, and there was like kind of that church plant high of that that adrenaline freebie of the first year uh, where anything is possible because you got all this external support coming in. <laughs> so you can really experiment. People are like joining us because it's a brand new thing and people want to be a part of something new and fresh. And um, and for, it was kind of like a mountaintop, that first mountaintop, sort of the we could do no wrong. Mm. We did so much wrong. But that's how we felt. We could do wrong, right? Word. Do no wrong. But then when we went to that second building, and it's not a building but it's just like it represented the next season in our church that was a desert season. Mm. It was like when we, man, we went to an evening service, which all sounds amazing until you actually do it, mm. especially if it's your primary gathering. I don't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we had all these photographers and creatives and nurses and doc- people, these weird schedules. And we thought like, oh, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. We're going to be just popping with artists and like medical professionals because yeah. they got these wacky schedules. Yeah, it didn't happen at and all. People can travel, yeah, people can travel and then still come back, back home town. on uh-huh. Sunday. They'll, they'll yeah, be there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it didn't work. Yeah. So, but that, I mean, all those pragmatic things didn't work. But also just like what you said earlier about me, our, our church is about me being sanctified in front of our people. Yeah. That was a deep season of um, like deep work in me, in mm. my leadership and Sherry and I's leadership. I'll say Sherry and I because we do it together, but it was yeah. mostly me that was on the chopping block. Sure. Um, there was, we probably had like three or four family meetings where I just had to repent in front of our people for Mm. like mistakes and, um, and different things. And so it really was like a desert season. It was the Valley. It was testing. It was refining. And I think, you know, it's one of the seasons where we like, we almost died during that season and we lost most of our people, Okay, a lot of our people, but the people we picked up were people we built with later. We had no idea. Mm. Like that was just a really crucial moment. And it was that sort of first Peter, like this thing is going to be refined down to the gold, you know, down to the barely. And if it survives, Mm. there's genuineness there. 
and we barely hung on, uh, you know, by the skin of our teeth, we were hanging on. And, but then we come out of it into this next season and into this next space that did represent that fresh start. I mean, you pop open the windows, you got the ocean breeze coming in, you hear the hustle of downtown Ventura. And and there was kind of this out of the valley feeling like we're climbing the mountain again. We're sustainable, you know, from a financial standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, we're putting in our first elder team. Um, I think I, Sharon, even I were reminiscing that we could actually leave on a Sunday Hmm. and the whole thing wouldn't fall apart. We leave for two Sundays in a row. We leave for three Sundays in a row and our people were fine. We had teacher. It was awesome. Wow. And it felt like we were building for four or five years and we're finally at the spot where we're like, this is it. I think this is healthy. And I think it's okay to have fun leading a church again. Hmm. Again, for the first time we felt that yeah. way. Wow. I got, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have been able to witness some of that because I sat down with you at Prospect and I said, I got this novel idea. <laughs> seed is going to move out of our building and we, you guys are leaving. Why don't we just go to the river at five o'clock at, in the evening too? And you said, I said, do it, go for it. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> you said, I mean, huh? It's a tough spot. That's how you said it. It's a tough spot. I mean, but Hey, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, it's worked for us some in some ways, but pretty sure I said it's a really attractive coffee. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 So anyway, you know, fast forward, we went through all kinds of transition. We replanted, we launched out of the river in the evening and it was like, this is what we got. But, um, you know, honestly, our experience being so fresh and new, I think we were gathering more people than we had started kind of out with sure so by the time COVID hit for us that that was where some of the um the facade of momentum had come from yeah it's like we're starting to fill up the room we're launching kids ministry because there's too many of them you know just to like uh have everybody park on on the carpet i mean we were just spilling out yeah doing crayons at the altar it's like are those kids repenting or (laughs) no they're just playing with the eucharist (laughs) they're hungry yeah 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 so so anyway uh you know going through all that our experience was a little different, but it was also shorter. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, just being able to witness how you guys transitioned and what that meant for you, I think it was a, a quite a bit of a blessing. Um, what What's the, you know, what's on your heart as you think about what spaces and seasons or how spaces have uh, marked seasons for you? Like, where would you maybe fill in some of the gap for us with that? You know, I... Um when, when you read the, you know, I'm doing this Bible reading plan and I'm in Second um, Kings right now, trying to do the Bible in a year, do this every couple of years. And I'm in Second Kings and, and from, man, from uh, the very beginning, there's such a theology of place. And I want to be careful, like the church is not the building, right? I think anyone listening to this gets that. The church is not an event. It's not a building. It's not an organization. It's a people, right? But you follow the story of the Israelites throughout the Old Testament and there's, it's a people, That's it's right. the people of God, but mm-hmm. then there's moments, place, there's places. That's good. There's the promised land. That's there's right. Mount Sinai, there's mm-hmm. Exodus. And they're kind of these representative moments. And I think with us not trying to attach too much theology to a building, but to say there is a bit of theology of place. That's good. Um, and for us, like our wandering has been in downtown because mm-hmm. we felt this undeniable, um, 
conviction to be here. We've I, I met with tons of pastors, community leaders before we ever launched and heard all the stories of the churches that started in downtown and either closed or left and That's bought right. land, bought yeah. buildings somewhere. Yeah. That's not bad. I'm not knocking them like they're, they're friends and they're amazing, but it was just the season of flight from downtown where we said, no, we actually feel like our we're compelled to go into that space and to fight it out because it's going to be more expensive. All the space are going to be smaller. Everything's going to be harder, but that's where we feel like God's leading us. And by his grace, we've stayed in this little region, but we've like bounced around quite a bit. And I think there has been some, like, I think if nothing else, it's like these God given, like, uh, pictures and analogies for us to look back on. So the Ebenezer's right to look back and go like, I love Jim Duran. I love the river. But every time I drive by that building, I get almost shudders Mm. because of the stuff that was like rocking me and our church at the time. Got it. And it's not like, uh, it's not like I, you know, walk across the block or something because I don't want to, it's just this moment of like, yeah, I remember what we came into that place thinking, feeling what was happening in my heart. And I remember the hard work that God was doing in our lives to bring out something better, Hmm. you know? And then I, you know, go downtown and look at our, you know, it would have been our spot right before COVID and go like, man, reminder of how gracious God is with that fresh wind coming into our church and this like fresh sense of like calling and identity and conviction as a church. And then I go to our original and I just look back on it like you do like your kid, you know, that first spot and like we made so many mistakes in that first place, but like the Lord is so gracious in Mm. the same way. Like my son makes so many mistakes and it's because he's only six years old, you know, Mm. and I think there's, I still smile at the mistakes and I still like, and so I think for us, it's been just these like almost these pictures, these symbols of like what God has done and his grace towards us. Um, that have been so helpful. And I think as we think about where we're heading next, where we've been over COVID, which has been online and in homes and backyards, I think there's even going to be, as we look back on this last year, year and a half, there's going to be some sense of like, what was God doing when we were scattered? Mm. You know, when we were meeting together online, when we were meeting together in these different backyards and, and houses all around uh, the city, like what was God doing then? Yeah. And even some like anticipation over, over what's next. So, That's good. That's yeah. good. Well, let's jump back into the interview. I want to hear from Sherry Yep. just because I, I know that you guys have uh, an interesting, like kind of different perspectives. And when she, <laughs> when Sherry thinks about the momentum that you had in the space, I think, I know she, she keeps saying beautiful. <laughs> when I see Sherry, you know, I'm going to just say, Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that what what I pick up from her is that she was she was feeling a sense of joy in oh, those yeah. moments too. And so before we get to COVID, like how how did it how did how were things going in from her perspective? felt like the momentum we wanted it felt yeah. like in people 
like the new people we picked up were excited to be part of Anthem and and kind of it felt like we were still doing what I think we've always done great, which is uh, Venturi has a lot of people who move here. It's transient. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of people who move here who aren't from here or even from the the county or the state. And since day one, people um, will come and they feel it feels like they get connected quicker than normal than I've seen like at other churches. And that's something I I love. And so it felt like that was that side of the church was gaining momentum again. Like people, I remember like someone came to check out our church and it wasn't the kind of church they envisioned themselves like getting plugged in. They plugged in at they wanted a more established church and you know, not the church plant. Yeah. Oh, all hands on deck type of vibe. But like something about the Holy Spirit mixed with them feeling more loved and welcome. Like they just, it felt like they couldn't say no. They're like, this is home. Like day, the first Sunday there, this is home. Um, And so seeing people like become best friends with each other, like, and act like they've been friends their whole lives. But really um, it's just because of their common love for Jesus, love for the church and love for others that they just grow these like deep roots really quickly is something that I, I love. And so we loved seeing like the community aspect of our church grow, like the community groups were growing that we had uh, yeah. meeting throughout the weeks. Those were growing and just relationships with each other, with people were strengthening. And so it was like finally starting to feel like this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like this is really cool. And uh, we had installed our first team of elders. Which was, so we moved into that space like summer 2018. And then. Yeah like within a year had our started our development process like in like January 2019 January 2019 so spent a year and so there were just like deep roots taking place like healthy leadership and then January we installed our first team of elders yeah January 2020 as a church yeah January 2020 it was our first homegrown Ventura elder team took them on an elder retreat like locked in just vision and like yeah bonding and like we're so excited and even that january 2020 bert had um like cast some like new fresh vision for our church and at the time it you know he had this whole um you know long tagline of resilient disciples who are faithful in the face of coercion. And it's like this long tagline that people were kind of laughing at Bert, especially, you know, people who've been around our church and knew Bert, they're just laughing like, oh, typical Bert, like this long thing. And the, and what it was, it was really good. But at the time it felt like, ha ha. Okay. But then like two months later when COVID hits, it was exactly what our church needed. And it's been so cool to even press into that. Um, So anyways, but with our church, right when we were, I felt like we had wings of our own and Mm -hmm. we were like, everything's going well. This This is is our biggest travel year ever we'd planned. Yeah, we we were sending people to four countries over the course of a year. Yeah, we were just making plans to go into yeah other countries and getting people from our church excited about going to these other countries. And it was like, even looking back as we're talking about it now, I'm like, gosh, the beginning of 2020 seemed so promising. (laughs) (laughs) But I think one of the things I realized is that like we had 
like amazing things and fun things planned and things that would be like growing and life-changing and glorifying to God. But I think what he had in store was even better, even though like COVID hit Mm -hmm. two months after we installed our first elder team and, you know, things with our church seem to be going well and thriving and growing um, COVID hit and it's just, you know, throws everyone for a loop. I, I don't know someone who hasn't been affected by, by some effect of it. And just knowing that like, okay, what, what is God going to do through COVID? And it's a chance for people to, um, choose to cling to him, to his promises, to the hope that comes from Jesus, or it's a chance to like flounder. And, and stay in that way. And so that's been hard to watch. Um, and we quickly had to pivot with our church. And Like every church. Every church had yeah. to think like, okay, without any warning really, what are we doing? So the first Sunday that things were like quickly shutting down, but not totally shut down yet, we, we switched, we met in a backyard, we did a live stream um, because there was already, you know, a crew of people Put who- yeah, we live streamed from Bert's phone. And there was already a crew of people who, um, for health reasons or for just unknown reasons, were wanting to hang back already. And so we had like a small group of people in a backyard and then live streamed to everyone else. And then with our brand new elder team, we're thinking like, okay, what are we going to do? And so um, that week, we had a a couple people move like everything from our office into our garage. Yeah. And um, Matt Pedrick built like a, what do you call it? Just um, a wall. No. Like a wall. Shiplap. Yeah. Like a, kind of like a shiplap wall <laughs> in our garage. And just so we could have a space to film or live stream from. And so at first our, our hope was to live stream and that was terrible. Bert and I's plan was to live stream ourselves from our garage with our three kids in the house. Yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> We we tried it a couple times. It didn't work, and just technical issues. And um, so we started doing the pre-recorded pretty quick, right? And just like shooting it out to people watching from their own homes, wherever they're at. So um, pretty quickly during COVID, like things were going great. COVID hits, and then we kind of like every other church just try to figure out how to pivot live stream, pre-record services, all that stuff. And that just lasted for a couple of months. We all thought this would only last a couple of months. And then that just goes. Then we take July off. Our elder teams like release us for a month and we just like road trip and get away. We go to some national parks. We're just like outside, we're out of California, just trying to get time and space. Um, And all the while that's happening though, there's this like growing dissatisfaction about like, Online church is not the future. Like there's, a, I mean, there's always some element of online, but just like live streaming a service is not like the future that no. saves the church or anything. And so like, even our time off, we just committed to not really think about church stuff until the very end, we started batting around some ideas and, and just trying to come back. And so when we come back in August, start chatting with our elder team about like what could be next. How do we not only like meet the COVID moment, but actually build a church both in 
idea and structure that's resilient to things like global pandemics because I think like one of the things we discovered over just like the months and months COVID wore on was that how we did church was not resilient. Like if anything went wrong, the whole thing shuts down. And then people were not resilient. We lost like half our church. Yeah. Because they were not resilient. Life was hard and they had not, they like were not clinging to faith or community. Mm -hmm. They were clinging to themselves, to their job, to money, to help and all those things let them down. And so like our people, our our church structure was not resilient and then our people were not resilient. And so that said, it's kind of on a journey to reimagine and rethink. And just even if things go back to the way they were, ask the why question about everything. Yeah. Because, yeah, just even though it seemed like church was better than it ever has been for us, one hard thing hits and it all comes crumbling. Right. One global pandemic unravels everything we built for five years. <laughs> One glow, just a tiny little pandemic. Just a tiny little global <laughs> pandemic unravels everything. And that's just so asynchronous with like what the story of Christians in the Bible or in church history where actually like those things make Christians stronger. Yeah. And so something was amiss. And, and I think to um, a number of people in our church, being able to see them grow and thrive. It was like a... It was like fork in the road. Yes. It was like people had a choice. No. And I even remember personally, like early on in the pandemic, it was like, I don't know another way to say it, but it was like, get my shit together or like, I'm going to sink. Like I'm just going to absolutely sink and drown. And, and, and some of those things meant like, um, adding in more like of the, rule of life, spiritual practices, like getting serious about things we had um, like toyed around with before, or maybe considered like, oh, I'd love to like maybe add this rhythm in. And and it was just a moment to be like, I had a fork in the road of like, what am I going to do? And and I think that for many people, it was the given to fear or my comforts or um, to actually realize their hope was misplaced and they have a moment to place their hope in the right spot and they don't want to. I mean, Jesus never promises that life following him will be easy. And this was like, this last year has been a moment to know that like, it is not easy. It's hard, but it's it's better. Yeah, it was like this fork in the road where all these people who we thought were something, turns out it's like, man, they were, they were building on sand, right? Yeah. And then all these people who, even some of the people we didn't expect were like, wow, these people have built their lives on rocks. Mm-hmm. And so like, we had this crew of people. I think it's still, to me, it's like a mystery that like half our people leave our church, but our giving has stayed the same. Like, I'm not, I'm not puzzled at that mystery, you know? Like mm-hmm. the people for whom Jesus is real, like he's real in every part of life. Yeah. And there was like such a freedom and like, what, what is God asking us to do with this group of people? Yeah. And I feel like that's still the open question. Exactly. And, and so now it's like, where do we go from here?
where do we go from here? That's the question. I think, do, you ha- do you have that answer? Because I'd really love to hear the answer. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. If you think about, if you if you really think about even the way, um, you know, things were going good. Yeah. Things were going well. Yeah. By worldly metrics mm-hmm. uh, and even by some spiritual metrics. Yeah. Like getting healthy, raising up elders. Yep. Right. I mean, developing new leaders, discipling people. Yeah, getting ready to send um, people out, help with a couple of church plants. Yeah, like we're going into the nations. Yeah, I mean, when when did Colorado go? I mean, I think the anthem in uh, yeah, it's like mid like 2018. I think. Okay, so like I mean, we're talking like, but I'm still going out there every other month to teach, I remember their leadership exactly. team. Yeah. I remember, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, I mean, there's good things, but then yeah, COVID kind of peels back some layers. Yeah, what do you feel like it revealed? I mean. So much, you know, I, I've really, someone said this early on, and I think even someone said this on one of those early zoom calls we had with all those Ventura pastors, you know, week one or two into COVID and uh, someone, someone in that said, you know, COVID is, and, and will not necessarily create these new things, but it's going to expose and amplify things that were already there. Just yeah. take kind of the facade off. I'm pretty sure I said that. Yeah, yeah. Sounds really good at prophetics. It's probably Steve. Yeah. Um, but I think we, like, we really, you know, and we, you know, kind of like every church hung on for a couple of weeks because online church was exciting and new and different and we could figure this out, right? But, no. you know, like, but yes. but, you know, like May, March and April, it's like still kind of like, right. ooh, this is interesting. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And we yeah. thought this would be wrapped up by May or June. But May or June come along, July, August, all this stuff. And it's, it's hard. You know, mm. I don't want to minimize that it's hard. Um, but I love what Sherry says, Jesus never promised easy, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And I, and I think what it revealed is we just had a lot of people and myself included. So I think it's people who've stayed and people who've gone who got very used to the easy and the comfortable mm. and, um, really exposed how unresilient our methods, our models, our structure, our people mm. where every, everything was like, <laughs> you know, like. I, I just like our, our church would not have survived in China right now or would not mm. have survived in the Middle East over the last, you know, 50 to 80 years. It just yeah. would not have survived. And so one thing happens. Great. It's a big thing. It's a global pandemic. But also we're walking through a global pandemic in the most technologically advanced, comfortable society in the human history ever. Yeah. And uh, we have all these ways of doing church together that most Christians around the world now or in the last 2000 years could never have dreamt of. Wow. And yet it's still this thing of like, this is too much. I can't do this. I'm yeah. out. You know, or, or, or this is not enough. Or it's not enough. Right. Yeah. Resource. Yeah. Totally. Place. Totally. Whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So just this overall, this lack of, of resiliency, mm-hmm. it, it really exposed that. And I think what, um, for us, um, you know, we're trying to think, do we, do we go back to the way things are? Or is there this this new way forward? And I think even though there's a lot of good in what was, we also saw the fruit of that, mm. just the, the testing fire of COVID, right? And so as much as there was good about some of the things we were doing and as much as we loved some of the things that we're doing, we have to ask ourselves, like, is, is what we were doing the thing that's actually going to produce resilient disciples into the future? Got it. And is that going to be a part of our core leadership? Is that going to be part of the structure of our church? Like, are we going to structure around 
our church around like the first and most important commandment Jesus ever gave to his church, which is make disciples. Mm. And um, whether we like it or not, a lot of what we were doing before was not structured to make disciples. Yeah. Make disciples that would last through hardships of life. Man. I think the beautiful thing about it is you can identify that and be honest about it. Um, and it almost gives you the answers to the question, right? Hmm. It's, not, it's not really an either or. Do we go back to the way things were or do we chart a new course? It's just realizing that anything we're going back to yeah. is picking up the, the old and ancient ways of disciple making and the stuff that seemed to be showing signs of success uh, was producing a, a, a people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it didn't even match the vision that God gave you in 2020. Yeah. If you come in calling everyone to be a resilient, I don't know it by heart like your your <laughs> your, your people do, but yeah, you, you know, you you call people to be mm-hmm. a resilient community of disciples. Yeah. And then COVID exposes that there First test. is a lack of yeah. that. Then I'm doubling down on that. Yeah. If I'm Bert, yeah. right? If I'm Sherry. Yeah. If I'm leader. If I'm elders in your church deacons, leaders, whatever community, it doesn't matter. I'm doubling down on it saying like, Hey, no, this is who we must be. Yeah. Right. Um, and so just the, I think the unique prophetic timing of that almost answers the question, but you do have to get to the the why. Yeah. Right. Asking all those why questions. Um, and I always talk about that, you know, with our people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter just walking through a text. I'm like, hey, Paul, James, whoever, they're answering a question. Well, let's get to our why. Yep. We're being called to this thing. This indicative about us means this. And so we're called to these imperatives or whatever. But what's the why? Yeah. What is it all about? Yeah. And so in the same way, when you're walking through and journeying through and even looking at regathering, reappearing and all that, why why do we do what we do? Mm-hmm. And uh, why did what we do you know, work in this way, but maybe not in that work. Sure. Why did we produce disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, who we don't believe would have lasted in Nigeria today? That's that's a convicting set of questions, yeah. right? And it's a convicting thought. And um, I think it's worth giving time and attention to. Well... <laughs> leave everyone on high note yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right Well, thanks so much for listening to How to Kill a Church. Follow us on this journey of discovery, lessons learned, mistakes made, and maybe just maybe an ancient and innovative way forward for the church of the future. You can subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or wherever. You can also visit howtokillachurch.com. Uh, rate us, review us, smash that subscribe button. Smash it. Yeah, like that, like that, share it with Five someone. Five stars. Exactly. And come back to us next time. Come back with us next time as we dig in some of those why questions. Get to talk about some deconstruction stuff, right? how we may have even felt the need to pull things apart and the people around us and what we've observed. Uh, and then we get to even walk through what exactly is a church. So I'm excited about that. See y'all next time. <laughs>